obviously by Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, handling the Word of God and speaking to people on a mountainside. And Matthew chapter 5 and verses uh, from chapter 5 to chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning we're right up to uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 to 30. And it's a real timely passage for us today. And as we read it together, uh, let's pray that God would speak to us um, from his word this morning. So let me read Matthew chapter 5 and verses 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Today we're looking at how to deal with sexual sin. And um, as we come to look at this, why don't we just pray together that God would speak to us. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you that you speak to us through it. This morning our hearts are open. We want to hear your voice. Oh God, your children long to hear and act on every word that you give us. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think you'll agree, today we live in a world where there are so many different things that so many different people face. For some who are older or uh, have found themselves in situations where they're alone, it can be very uh, lonely. Relationships are happening all around and people are meeting together and gathering and often uh, many people feel the... uh, just the real feeling of being alone and isolated in this society. Also today we live in a a fast-paced kind of life, you know, where work tends to really consume our times, time. And even if you're unemployed now, you have to spend a lot of time applying for unemployment benefits and going to jobs, uh, interviews, so you can just fill your time in that way. Everybody seems to be very busy. And if you are in a job and you're involved in business, it seems that every moment of every day is used in order to seize the most out of it, to seize every opportunity. And often in this environment of either people feeling really lonely or either people feeling so busy, often we crave for relationships that either aren't there that we long for or that we're so busy that it seems if we're not self-disciplined, we neglect. And in this environment, we, we really find uh, there are often other conflicts that come up within us. For instance, uh, sometimes our past 
just our experiences in life have put deep hurts in us. And sometimes we find ourselves getting angry for reasons that we're not even quite sure of. We get emotionally upset at times. Uh, Sometimes we find that if only we had more time to think and reflect, we'd act differently in times of pressure or in times of loneliness. But we're so busy or we're so caught up that we don't reflect often and we act out of our feelings. In the midst of these pressures of busyness and loneliness and in the midst of our past hurts swirling around within us, Someone who really understands how we feel or offers us real encouragement, empathy, warmth, can sometimes be someone we really long to speak to, especially if we've been busy and flat out and neglecting our relationships with our husband or wife. In those times, someone who shows interest in us is very inviting someone who seems really attractive to us or even someone who can heal our hurts that we're feeling. You know, today more than ever, men and women find themselves working side by side each other for, uh, you know, sometimes eight to ten hours a day. And often uh, because of the long working hours, married relationships are strained and have, couples have seem to place little priority on the talk time if they're not careful and catching up and being together. And so both men and women can sometimes find the intimacy that they lack in their marriage in conversations at work with people of the opposite sex. What starts out as innocent can sometimes quickly fall into full-blown adultery. There's no better time, I think, today when you can... Uh, Everywhere you look seems to be people offering and images offering uh, the things that you might not have because of the neglect of time or the loneliness that we face, quick escapes to find what you need. I think there's no better time to speak about how you and I can avoid sexual sin in this life that we live right now. In a world where when we pay for petrol, uh, we often look and are confronted with uh, magazines with you know, half-naked women on when we might be going into the city and seeing billboards or ads on TV right at family times when um, the boundaries of sexuality are pushed and where the internet means that people can uh, view pornography in the privacy of your own home. I think in this environment, we really need together to hear from God on how to avoid sexual sin, how to avoid it. In order to understand the teaching of adultery and sexual sin that Jesus gives us here in Matthew, I think it's important to have a look at the biblical view of marriage which underlies it. Right back in Genesis 2, uh, right at the, at the very start, uh, this, this comment is, is said about Christian marriage. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife 
and they will become one flesh. Marriage is one of God's greatest blessings. It brings the highest of joys uh, in human life. Singleness may be even a higher calling, incidentally. Uh, The Bible talks about that. But marriage, it seems, is God's norm. And the family is the basic structure of society, as God intended it to be. And within that family structure, marriage is essential. Marriage provides friendship, someone to share uh, with the ups and the downs of life, your hurts and your fears, your dreams and your goals. Marriage is a place where children are are brought up in an atmosphere of security and love where they can grow and thrive and feel safe. For children, the relationship between the parents is even more important than the relationship between the parents and the children. And marriage is where the joy of physical union is experienced and celebrated in a relationship of permanence and in a relationship of freedom. Married couples are free to express themselves and be vulnerable and safe because of the permanency of the relationship. The high point of marriage is Uh, sexual intercourse. And this is God's wonderful gift in the context of marriage. And it's to be enjoyed and it's to be shared in a loving and supportive relationship. It strengthens the relationship. Do you know, uh, adultery, which means uh, sexual intercourse with a person who's not one's spouse, is clearly forbidden in the scriptures. The seventh a command of the Ten Commandments says you shall not commit adultery. That's Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. And in the Old Testament, the, the penalty for such a, a crime was stoning. Uh, today, adultery is one of the main reasons for divorce and it causes untold pain and conflict between couples. Uh, it, it hits right at the heart of marriage and the marriage relationship. And it can cause untold suffering, not only to the parties directly involved, but also to the kids as well. And the sad response often of people caught in adultery is simply, I couldn't help it. There was nothing I could do about it. And while society today may see that adultery and um, things like that are the norm, a part of life, you know, marriage we see is clearly um, a part of what Jesus has intended and that he wants it to be honoured in each, every way. He says in this passage, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, you remember last week we talked about how Jesus in these six sort of uh, passages talks about you have heard that it was said. And then he explains what the rabbis and the Pharisees were teaching and interpreting the law. And then he says, but I tell you, you know, this is what I say. 
And he was bringing out the full meaning of the law. He was bringing out its full intent. He wasn't changing what was said back there. No, he was saying what was said back there, now you've heard it like this. (laughs) That's not how it was intended. This is what it means. And now I'm telling you that. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. See, the rabbis and the Pharisees were trying to limit the scope of the command. Uh, They were saying that it only related to the act of sexual intercourse with a married woman. That was it. If you hadn't done that, you 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 were right before God. And they'd completely ignored the true meaning of the command, which uh, they'd obviously ignored the 10th commandment, which says that you should not desire another woman's wife, another man's wife. And they'd given it such a narrow meaning that uh, sexual sin was purely the act and sexual purity uh, was broad in meaning. It, It didn't matter as long as you didn't commit this act. And perhaps today, as we start this Uh, you know, looking at this passage, you might have already switched off thinking, oh, you know, good. As I look back in my mind, I think about it and I've never actually committed adultery. So perhaps next next week's message will be more relevant to me. Maybe you've been thinking through your mind and thinking that and Jesus would say, no, no, you're not to switch off this morning. You're wrong. Because just in the passage that we looked last week where it says, you've heard it said you should not murder, but I tell you that anyone who calls his brother a racker or, or, or someone a fool is in danger of the fires of hell. He, Jesus got to the heart of the matter last week and this time too, he wants to get to the heart of the matter as well because Jesus says, you know, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying that the act of adultery, he looks right past that actual act and he sees right into the heart and he says the act of adultery begins in the heart. And Jesus is pointing out that the chain of sin leads ultimately to the physical act of adultery and that starts in the mind. It reminds me of an interview I read that James Dobson had had with um, and the infamous um, Ted Bundy, who was a uh, well-known um, serial killer. Uh, he had, uh, James Dobson had an interview with him just before he was executed on uh, January the 24th, 1989. And in the interview, uh, Ted Bundy described his addiction to pornography and Uh, Bundy goes back in the interview to his roots, explaining that the development of his compulsive behaviour had roots way back to his past. He he shared how when he was 13 years old, he discovered magazines, dirty magazines, and they were in a dump near his home, and he was instantly captivated by them. And in time, he became more and more addicted to these things and to violent videos and magazines, and he got his kicks from seeing women being tortured and and murdered. And when he tried, and when he got tired of that, his only place to go from the addiction to that was to, uh, from fantasy into reality. And he Uh, acted out the things that he'd been thinking about and seeing and becoming addicted to. And here is a clear example of uh, that what's in the mind can lead to action 
and that there's a slippery slope that begins with innocence and with a little uncontrolled uh, thinking that can lead to full-blown um, adultery. Even if you don't commit the act, what you're guilty of right at the very start is a heart of adultery. And Jesus is saying that we've got to deal with that. This, this is for men and for women alike. You know, the scriptures, uh, he, he says, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, but the intent of what Jesus is saying is for any, anyone. It's for men and women. And what does it mean? Well, Jesus is speaking against uncontrolled sexual passion, which leads us to contemplate adultery and then to commit it in our mind. It's the untamed desire for another's body. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't say you're not to look at a man or a woman. He's just not talking about, he's not talking about just the natural and normal desire, which is part of human instinct and human nature. You know, we've been created with sexual desires and there's a natural attraction. But that doesn't mean, uh, he's not talking about just that, where you might see someone and think, oh, aren't they nice? I think he's talking about looking twice, three times and starting to really dwell on that person and what you think and what you might like to do with that person. According to the uh, literal meaning of the Greek, the man who is condemned is the man who looks at a woman with the deliberate intention of lusting after her. And what's clear through these verses, what's undeniably clear is that Jesus, that God, wants us to live lives that are sexually pure. Uh, He wants your heart to be completely pure. You can mark it down, you can underline it, that God's desire for you and God's desire for all people is to live lives that are sexually pure. He wants us to have wonderful relationships, fantastic relationships with our marriage partners and we're to protect that relationship at all costs. So there's just three things I want us to just think about now. Um, And I suppose uh, you've heard about things being triple X. Well, this morning's triple A message, okay, we're fighting that kind of uh, thing and we're doing triple A's. And if that is you this morning, the first thing to do is to admit to God. Admit. Admit to him that you failed. I think this first thing is to stop pretending that everything's good. You know, it's all good. I'm right in this area. You know how people say that? Everything's fine. No worries. Because if we're honest this morning, we must admit that we've failed. We've looked lustfully on someone. We've looked and desired them. And we have to be, realise that we've begun down a slippery slope. And there have been times in our lives when we have desired in our hearts others. And some have actually committed adultery. And what are we to do? What are we to do in that environment? And we find ourselves saying, this is what Jesus really says. But in our hearts and some, some of us in actions have actually committed adultery. What are we to do? And I think the real start for this is admit, admit it. You know, just come right out 
and start really, uh, the, the start of really dealing with sexual sin is admitting that we've not lived the way God requires, just being honest and realistic with him. You know, some will acknowledge um, that, that this has happened in your heart. You know, some will acknowledge that you've done the physical act, but the first step is stopping pretending. And I think it begins by just confessing, by telling God. It's coming straight, just clean before God and saying, God, you know everything about me. So let me tell you what it is. Um, Don't make it seem better than it is. Be realistic before God. Be real and tell him exactly what you've done. Let him know uh, how how you've failed in this area. You know, the thing is here, Satan wants you to deny it. He wants you to say it's all good, everything's fine. And he wants you to pretend that it's not an issue and that it's really nothing, that it really doesn't matter to God. But Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn over their sin, who mourn over their failures, who come to God brokenhearted and say, I'm part of those that are seeking in seeking to live the life you want, have failed. And God, this is who I am and what I've done. Now, not those who deny him. The Pharisees were there saying, we haven't committed the act, we're right before God. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't think that. You you can't stand before me righteous. It's the heart that I, I want. So let him know. Tell God. Um. I think, I think that it's a great idea too um, to, to come before those that have been most affected by your sin as well. Uh, I think it's great to come if you're married and to talk to your wife or to your husband and just let them know that this is what's happened. You know, this will, will take a lot of prayer and it will really be hard. But I think Satan wants to keep it just quiet so that you don't share it so that he's got a foothold there and confession brings it out. And confessing it to God is the first point. But I think also confessing it to those most affected. It might be that for you that might be um, in your situation just something that you can't do or is too hard to do. Then I would just suggest getting... Uh, finding some fr- a friend or a, or a group of friends even. For, for guys, having a group of friends that meet regularly just to talk about how you're going in these areas is wonderful. A group of accountability to pray together, to share together, to say how are you going is great. Uh, ladies, this is the same too. If you have a group to share with and to talk about and confess and tell them in safety, this makes you far less vulnerable. And it's the first start to dealing with sexual sin. A, admit to God that you failed. The second thing I think that we really need to do is ask for forgiveness. You know, in this area, if you have uh, looked lustfully on a woman or on a man or if you have actually gone and taken steps down that road of putting into practice what's been in your heart, then it's time not only to admit it but to ask for forgiveness. You know, um, David... uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and he tried to cover it up left, right and centre. He even got her husband killed in battle 
And while he was trying to cover it up, Nathan the prophet came and he confronted David with his sin. And David was cut to the heart. He confessed. And you can read of his confession. He's written it out for us in Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, he just prays to God, asking for forgiveness. This is what he says to him. He says, have mercy on me, O God. This is Psalm 51, verses 1 to 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Here's a guy who's broken, who's poor in spirit, who's mourning over his sin and saying, God, have mercy. You know, at the end of Psalm 50, or verse 10, Psalm 51, he says to God, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's coming and he's not only admitting, but he's asking for forgiveness. Create in me a clean heart, God. And this is a time when you say to Jesus, you say, you know everything about me, Lord. You know all that there is to know. You, you know me and yet you still love me. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Make me clean. Make me brand new again. Make me clean, pure. Wipe the slate clean and give me the life that you require. If you've given your heart to Jesus, if you become one of his followers, then his spirit lives within you. And his presence is with you each day to empower you and give you the strength. So once you've given your life to Christ and said, I can't do it anymore in my own strength. I'm broken in spirit. I'm poor. I'm mourning over my sin. And you come and you put your trust in Jesus. He gives you strength each day to deal with, with sin, with this kind of sin particularly. He gives you power and help to live the kind of life he requires. Some of you, uh, you come to Jesus today and say, I've actually uh, committed adultery and I can hardly look you in the eye, Jesus. I can hardly lift my head to you. I'm in such shame. And for you, John 8, John chapter 8, has a story of a woman caught in adultery. It could just as well be a, a man. This is a woman here that really came and was dragged before Jesus. And, and they dragged her before him. And Jesus looked at the accusers and said, if anyone is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And one by one they left until only Jesus and the woman were left there. And in those moments of quietness as Jesus drew in the, in the sand, Jesus asked her, woman, where are they? Where are those that accuse you and condemn? Has no one condemned you, Jesus says. No, no one, sir, she said. And then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Some of you have sinned in the past and you're still carrying around the guilt and the shame. And I think God's saying to you today, I sent my son to die on the cross. If you come to me broken, if you come to me poor in spirit, if you're mourning over that, 
Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Receive Jesus' forgiveness. Come to him like David did and say, create in me a clean heart. And live now with your head held high as you come broken to him. You admit, you ask. Some of you this morning have been carrying that weight, the dirtiness and the shame. And Jesus says, I've paid it all. 1 John 1 9 just sums it up. It says, If we confess with our sins, uh, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We admit, we ask. The third thing that we do is we deal severely with sin. This is act. We act. We admit. We ask for forgiveness and then we act. We deal severely with sin. Jesus goes on and he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if you lose your right hand, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying, deal severely with sin. In uh, Sierra Leone, uh, at the height of the civil war there, uh, the most horrific scenes took place. Uh, People who uh, were part of the conflict were just found with limbs missing. And what happened as part of that civil war is people would go into villages and just pick up young children and kids and chop off a limb. Rather than them dying, they wanted them to live a life of suffering. You know, in places like Sierra Leone, if you lost a limb, you were just left to poverty for the rest of your life. And everyone who looks on you and sees that a limb is missing is aware of the conflict that you've been part of and the hatred that was brought to your village. And in that environment, just the horrificness of losing limbs is is still seen today from what's happened. And Jesus is saying here that the issue of sexual purity is so important that if there's something that's uh, stopping you, go to the drastic, drastic measures of doing whatever it takes. And the vivid picture of someone who has actually chopped off pulled out their right eye, their good eye, or chopped off their right arm, their right hand, because that's what was causing him to sin. What he's saying here is not that you should actually do it. Early church father actually took this, you know, Oregon was his name, and he took it literally, and he actually castrated himself, thinking this is what Jesus meant. Thank goodness for our other uh, Christians back that time, they had a council together, church council meeting, and they said this is not how we should interpret this passage. We're thankful for that. Hallelujah. And, but this is how some people took it, but Jesus is not saying that. What he's trying to do is give us a clear picture of how dramatic and how important this issue is. It's not a small one for Jesus, and it shouldn't be a small one for you. He's saying do whatever it takes. If your eyes are causing you to sin by looking at wrong things and looking lustfully, 
do whatever you can to do the equivalent of ripping out that eye. If your right arm is causing you to sin. So what does that mean for you and I today? Uh, I just feel so much for young people today. So many uh, young people find themselves in groups and uh, things at school where, um, and uni where there's so much pressure today to have sex. There's so much pressure today to look at pornography. There's so much pressure to visit uh, different websites with friends or uh, do, do different things like that where it's almost to the point where you look like an, uh, you're silly if you don't. Uh, sometimes you, you're ridiculed because you're not of being backward or uncool or, or that you're not up with it. And I think uh, what Jesus would be saying about ripping out your eye or cop- chopping off your hand is if it means for you young people missing out on being in the coolest crowd, then, then think that as something small. You know, If it means for you that you have to turn up at school and people say, did you watch Big Brother last night or any other show, then just happily say, no, I didn't. And if it means you looked at being silly, be silly. You know, do whatever it takes. If you're in a group where the pressure's like that, if you want to miss out on the coolest party, miss out on them. It's worth it because it's so important. Men, if going to, different, going to different shops or service stations where they have those magazines really tempts you, change servos. Tell the people. Say, I want, can you move these? If they won't, don't want to move them, then, then change. You might lose your flyby points at that servo or, or your four cents off, but it's worth every cent that you save, uh, that, you, that you lose by not putting yourself in those situations. Maybe... Late night television when the rest of the family has gone to bed and you stay up, if that is a time when you're tempted to look lustfully, then just talk about it with your wife and actually say, would you help me come to bed with you at night and be there with you? If you've got Christian television pay TV but with it came adult TV channels and you're watching those more than the Christian TV, get rid of it. Lose the subscription cost. Get, you know, count the financial cost and it's better for you to enter heaven with a debt because you cancelled your channel TV than to, not, you know, to keep your TV channels and find yourself continually falling. If it's your internet, deal drastically with it. You know, just the other week, we talked a few weeks in Murder about um, Wayne Hudson you know, and... I was looking up, just finding out the stories on uh, the Herald Sun. And as I was looking, it said, you know, part of the girls that were involved in that one that was shot was a um, dancer, you know, at one of the nightclubs. And it said, and she has a MySpace homepage where she has photos there. I'm just reading news, you know, on the internet, on Herald Sun, and all of a sudden they're telling me, all I need to do is go to... MySpace and look at this and I can see images of this person and I think, what are you doing? Get out, <laughs> you know, get out. Take drastic measures and I think for, for you, you have to be aware of the temptations that people are putting in and get out of it. You know, I've said to, I've actually taught, taught, taught Mandy how to look through the history 
on our internet so that she can just constantly be able to check and see all the things that I've done. On our church uh, internet things, we've put filters so that you can't go to those sites and you might need to do that. It's rip it out. It's, it's slice it off. It's do whatever it takes to stop this happening. Uh, women, you know, if it's a mid, maybe you're at the time when you're bringing up kids and doing all those things and the pressures are on and lunchtimes, you know, the kids are in bed and there might be some shows on TV which are real, you know, fantasies of romance and love and all those kind of things and you're just getting addicted to that because of the, you know, feelings of, oh, this is be wonderful. Yeah, just organise a coffee at that time when it's on or go out for lunch with a friend instead. Do whatever it takes to stop your mind lusting after a relationship that's not with your husband or that's immoral. You know, maybe, ladies at work, you've found yourself placed right next to the biggest hunk that you've ever seen. (laughs) And you have to spend eight hours every day next to them. And it could be that you've noticed that the conversations are becoming more and more sharing and intimate, the the conversations. You know what? Ask for a transfer. But imagine the the cost. Imagine the cost to our family. Uh, Can you imagine the cost of that leading to adultery and the breakup of the family and the effects on the kids? Can you imagine that? Ask for a transfer. Change jobs. Walk out of there. Gouge it out. Chop off your arm. It's worth it, Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying. You know, Another thing that I just want to recommend in terms of gouging it out and chopping it off, a lot of these are negative things. You know, they're trying to, they're stopping it. They're stopping it. But if you really want to deal with this, put yourself in a place where you can get information and help and a a clear understanding of what God wants. I just want to say we've got, our church is just not on about saying, don't do this, don't do that. We want to help everyone uh, in this. And so just coming up in three weeks' time, we've got Valiant Man. And this is a, 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 an incredible time to meet with other guys, to, guys meet with other guys to talk about the way God has made us and how to use our sexuality in a way that honours him. And I just want to say, guys, you know, even if you think you don't, it's not a big deal, it's great to go and get equipped and to learn. And Valiant Man would just be an incredible course for you to do. I just want to recommend that. So first thing, admit, ask and act. Do whatever it takes to deal with sexual sin. Do whatever it takes. And I just want to say some other things that are good to do is to throw yourself into the right kind of relationships. If you're married, do things that will nurture your marriage relationship. I mean, if you have a healthy uh, relationship where there is love shared and trust and sharing and openness between yourself. If you're regularly going on a date, you know, once a week at least, or if, you, if you're enjoying being together and spending time on holidays or going to cultural events together and enjoying experiences, do you know what? That's one of the best protections for your marriage because if you're close as a husband and wife, then your sex life uh, generally follows your feelings towards one another as well. So buy flowers, guys. Ladies, tell a husband that he's a hunk. 
you know, really spend time in that one relationship that God's given you. Do you know, uh, wrestle with that, take that seriously because God has given you that as a source and as a, a relationship to nurture. just want to say finally, for all of us, we can look to the future with hope. Do you know, um, some of you this morning know that the biggest issue between you and God is exactly what Jesus is talking about right here. I mean, as we've spoken today, you've been sensing that God's been saying, this is an area that needs to be rooted out in my life. It could be that you've been a Christian for 10, 15 years and you know that the thing that has stopped you from just having an intimate walk with God every day is this area of your life where you've been harbouring lustful thoughts, where you've been thinking about wrong things and when you've just been allowing that to have a foothold. And I just want to say today, if you will respond to this, these words of Jesus, he will help you grow in fullness. He will help you know him intimately. He will help your marriage become a beautiful, intimate place. I think God's saying, don't just listen to this message and leave unchanged. Do you know the biggest block this could be in your relationship with God can be removed today? Admit, ask for forgiveness and act and act and do that. Do you know Jesus Christ came and he died so that you would come to know him, so that you would find forgiveness, so he would look at you and say, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Jesus wants to, us to live lives of purity and he wants to live us not just in our strength but in the power of his Holy Spirit helping us. Do whatever it takes. Some of you this morning need to go home and rip out the computer cord, the internet cord. You need to throw it in the bin. You need to get rid of it. And, and it's not silly to do that. Some of you have been in wrong relationships where you just need to now stop that completely. You need to write letters to those people. You need to put it, put it off. Some of you may be even living with someone else that you're not married to. And today, the thing that you need to do is go home and start packing your bags and start moving out. I mean, if you need help, we would like to help you in that situation as well. But God is saying moral purity, sexual purity, is not to be just winked at and thought about as something that's it's all good. You need to deal drastically with it. So let's pray that as we go today that you will know the fullness of joy in living a life that's pure before God, that you would know him say, I don't condemn you, and that you would be able to now have that courage to rip out the things that are stopping you from that. Let's pray together, shall we? God, I just ask uh, for you to give us each the courage to do what you're calling us to do as a result of this passage. God, for those that need to act in ways that are decisive and, and clear today, that the sun will not go down tonight without them putting it right. God, give them the strength to rip out the eye, to cut off the arm, 
to, to put themselves in places where they are dealing directly with sexual sin. Got to pray that many will, will respond and, and, and do things that will help them to grow in this area, like valiant man or talking to their wife or their husband. God, we thank you for your provision of uh, marriage. And for those that long for marriage but aren't in a marriage relationship, ask you would give them the strength to keep looking to you every day, that you'd give them healthy relationships with friends now that honour you. And God, that when they come to that time of being married, that they would know the joy of what it means to be pure. And God, for each of us, build our marriages, strengthen them. God, help us to put in all our effort into loving our wives and our husbands in a way that honours you. Thank you, God. Hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. In these next few moments, we'd just love you to have a moment to just respond.